This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So uh, welcome everyone to this uh, radio webinar um, on partisanship, stock market sentiment and COVID-19. Uh, I'm going to be the moderator and, and the presenter is Joey Engelberg. He's a finance professor at uh, Rady School of Management. He has published extensively and he's, he's very influential in the fields of behavioral finance and on the role of the media in affecting financial markets. Um, and so um, I'm looking forward to a very interesting presentation. Thank you. I well, appreciate it. Um... So sort, sort of as a background to this current project uh, that I'm working on uh, with, with colleagues, I think if we look all around us, I think we would recognize that partisanship and polarization seems to be uh, at all-time highs uh, of late. Um, and if you feel that way, that is actually uh, backed up uh, via a variety of channels. So I, I, I'll give you a few here. So for example, in 1994, 21% of Republicans had a negative view of Democrats. 19% of Democrats had a negative view of Republicans. Uh, this is according to Pew Research. Fast forward to, to 2016, those numbers are now 58% and 55% uh, respectively. Uh, there's a really neat paper in Science by Chen and Roy a few years ago. I'll, I'll tell you briefly about it because I think it's really illustrative of how uh, polarized and partisan we've become as a society. Um, here's a, a, a map of uh, of red counties um, by voting and blue counties uh, in, in the U.S. And what Chen and Roy do is they have access to cell phone data. And what they're interested in is they, they watch where a, where a cell phone um, um, hits off a tower at 2, 3 a.m. So they can figure out where people live in each of these counties. And then on Thanksgiving, they follow individual cell phones that make a, a Thanksgiving holiday trek. And so they, they look at, you know, let's say a cell phone that moves from a, a blue county to a red county. And they look at a cell phone that moves from a red county to another red county. And then they look at the other two possibilities, right? All right. Uh, blue to blue, uh, and, uh, and also red to blue. And, uh, what, what they look at is how long those cell phones, uh, stay at their traveling, uh, location. And sort of the surprising, uh, takeaway of Chen and Royla is that the length of Thanksgiving visits for opposite party treks so when a, a blue blue cell phone travels to a red county or a red cell phone travels to a blue county, those Thanksgiving visits are about 40 minutes shorter than, uh, than same party visits in, in 2016. And, and sort of the, there's a quote from the paper, nationwide 34 million person hours of cross-party Thanksgiving discourse were lost in 2016 uh, to partisan effects. So I, that's just one illustration. I gave you a survey. Here's some some cell phone uh, travel evidence. Uh, these are particularly uh, partisan times that we're living in uh, today. Can I, Joey? Can I interject here? So could you give us the intuition for what this means that people aren't traveling as much or staying as long in their Thanksgiving visits? Right. I think sort of by by revealed preference, um, the the 
uh, potential antipathy one uh, one partisan person feels for the opposite uh, uh, party person must be so great that they would even want to spend less time with their family members, right? Because that that's who we're talking about in the in these uh, Thanksgiving visits. So I, again, I, I think it really underscores uh, sort of how polarized and how partisan we've become of late. Yeah. Uh, Recently, there are these a couple of real superstars uh, in economics named Genskow and Shapiro. They make the point that there's another way we can measure uh, partisanship, and that is with language. So they they observe that the two parties increasingly speak two different languages. And the idea that they have for their measure of partisanship is let's feed um, some speeches in of Republican congressmen, Democratic congressmen, and let's have a computer learn how a Democrat sounds and how a Republican sounds. And we can measure partisanship by how quickly that uh, that computer can detect whether a, a given speaker is a Republican or, or a Democrat. It's, it's, it's kind of like the old Name That Tune show where uh, we can measure partisanship in fewer and fewer words. And that's an indication uh, that things have become more and more uh, partisan. Uh, so just to give you an example of what this sort of uh, partisanship measure looks like. This is a, a table from Genskow and Shapiro. Here are some of the most uh, partisan bigrams. A bigram is just a, a pair of words um, it was spoken by Republicans and Democrats. So for example, if you hear the term death tax come out of uh, a, congressman, a congressman's mouth, very likely that congressman is a Republican. Uh, Democrats typically call it an estate tax. If you hear the term Affordable Care Act, more likely uh, that person speaking is a, is a Democrat. Uh, a Republican would call it Obamacare. Uh, if you hear uh, partial birth abortion being spoken about, very likely the speaker uh, is a Republican. Climate change, more likely uh, the speaker is a Democrat, so on and so forth. So language can ha actually help us identify the partisan uh, identity of the, of the speaker. Pretty neat. Um, and, and so what Genskow and Shapiro do in, in a recent paper in Econometrica is, uh, they, they, um, plot their partisanship measure over time. And again, like the, um, the Pew research, uh, study we talked about earlier, it also finds, it is the, the pink line in this plot. It also finds that of late, we have reached high, uh, highs in, 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 in levels of, of partisanship and polarization. All right. So we're going to actually take in this recent uh, study that we've just started, uh, we're going to take this Genskow and Shapiro language based approach to identify the partisanship, not of uh, of Republican and Democrat congressmen, but of investors. And so our setting is the investor social networking platform called StockTwits. If you haven't heard of it, it's okay. Uh, j just think about it like Twitter for traders and investors. Uh, we're going to have data on about 350,000 users uh, making about 40 million tweets. And what we're working on in the project is to see whether partisanship in, uh, affects actual investor beliefs about stocks. Um, and we're going to pay particular attention to the to the current uh, coronavirus uh, crisis. Uh, spoiler alert: We're going to find that it indeed does. And you know, it, it, 
I, I know partisanship and polarization is quite pervasive, but I, I think it's surprising that it has also sort of gotten its tentacles uh, in, into the beliefs uh, of investors. It's surprising given existing uh, finance theory. So, Joey, can I again ask you a question here? Um, what do you mean, again, intuitively, help us understand what do you mean by affecting investor beliefs? What should we think here? Yeah, so so by inf- affecting investor beliefs, what I mean is we're gonna we're gonna think about beliefs about individual stocks as uh, as something coarse, but it's someone who's going to be either bullish about the stock, so so they they feel like, for example, Tesla is going to do really well over the next five ten years. It's going to produce a lot of earnings. Eventually, it's going to pay a lot of dividends, and a shareholder is going to be really rewarded for it. Versus bearish about Tesla, uh, where someone believes it's not going to do well via its earnings. Not, no dividends are coming. Uh, sort of the, the the value of a share today is uh, is, is much lower um, than it than it uh, than it currently trades at. And I think it's surprising that political views could invade this part of uh, of people's expectations because in finance there is a real financial incentive to get these expectations right. Right. I, I want to know what Tesla is worth. I want to have good forecasts of what future earnings, future dividends, etc., uh, are for Tesla, uh, regardless of my my political persuasion. I really have a financial incentive to get that right because if I get that wrong, I'm going to pay too much or or too little for Tesla. So that's why I think it's it's sort of surprising to see this result. All right. So just to give you uh, an example of, uh, of what StockTwits uh, looks like, here is a, a user on StockTwits. His name is, is Todd Sullivan. Again, it has the look and feel uh, of Twitter. Um, he's, someone, uh, he's someone that trades equities, options. Um, he follows 177 people. 108,000 uh, people are, are following him. And when Todd goes to post something in StockTwits, he has an interface that looks like this. And uh, what's really cool is you can see uh, at the at the right part um, of this of this box, you can see he's he's limited to uh, 140 characters, um, and so he will have short postings. But what's cool about those postings is he stamps them bullish or bearish. So do you see the, the, the bullish stamp here, right? That comes from this interface, which has this slider where you can slide over if you're bullish, slide uh, to the left uh, if you are if you are bearish. And so if you read the post, this is Todd saying he is he is bullish about a particular stock, which is which is TPL. But this is this is kind of to give you a feel of what the, the stock to its interface uh, looks like. What's going to be key for us is we're going to see, uh, you know, by revealed preference, exactly how investors feel about individual stocks because they are self-labeling uh, their posts bearish or or bullish. All right. So how how do we go about assigning users uh, to a particular political identity? We use that same Genskow and Shapiro language-based approach that I mentioned uh, to you. It's, we're early on in the research, just to be completely honest. Uh, so far, we've only really been able to find terms that reliably identify Republicans. So the analysis that I'm going to show you, you can think about it in two groups, the Republican group and the everyone else group. Okay. Um, and let me give you some examples of these terms. Again, just to give you some feel for what the analysis is. 
Here are some examples of Republican identifying terms on stock twits. So my claim is when someone uses a, a term like this, a particular biogram that's listed here, um, it is very likely that that, that speaker is a, is a Republican. So for example, you know, hashtag Trump 2020, that identifies someone as Republican. Now notice these, these uh, terms and biograms are different than the congressional terms because this is a very different environment, right? Not a lot of congressmen are, are hashtagging, uh, hashtagging Trump, uh, 2020, right? Um, but other, uh, other, other useful terms for this exercise, uh, liberal media, Russia hoax, uh, if someone refers to Trump derangement syndrome, very likely they're a Republican. If someone talks about the liberals, crooked Hillary, et cetera, et cetera. These are very helpful in, in identifying whether someone uh, is, is a likely Republican. So we identify uh, uh, Republicans as either posters with this language or we or users which like posts with this language. So you either use this language in a post or you are someone who sees the post that, you know, that says hashtag Trump 2020 and you like that post. So those are going to be the people that we that we label as uh, as Republicans. All right. So in in terms of identifying the partisan partisan effects, I pre apologize. This slide is going to be a little bit technical, but here's what we do. We're going to run regressions where we try and predict the likelihood that a user will be bullish. So go back to a couple slides ago, the Todd Sullivan example. He's typing in his 140 characters and he's going to mark himself as bullish or mark himself as bearish. We're going to have a regression that tries to predict uh, whether a given post will be marked bearish or, or bullish. Now, those regressions are going to have dummy variables. Those are just one or zero uh, value variables for each date. And so you can think about the coefficients on those dummy variables revealing how relatively bullish people are feeling on a particular date. Okay. And the key is we're going to have separate dummy variables for the Republican group and for the everyone else group. So we can identify how much more or how much less bullish Republicans feel on each date. And we're going to look at those dates uh, through time and we're going to focus in on the dates surrounding uh, the COVID-19 crisis. Now, we can run these regressions uh, monthly, weekly, and daily. So those will be the three plots uh, then, uh, that I'm about to show you. So let's take a look. So uh, here is the, the monthly plot. Um, the, the red group, uh, th these, are, these are the group of users that use those Republican terms or like those Republican terms. Uh, the, the black group is the everyone else group, Okay. And, and what do you see? Well, you see before late 2016, these two groups in terms of their bullishness, they were pretty similar, right? They, you know, there's a little bit of noise, but they, these lines are pretty much on top of each other. But starting with the Trump election, uh, uh, so in late 2016, these two curves start to, start to diverge. Or said another way, after Trump was elected, uh, people that are Republicans seem to have more uh, optimistic, bullish views uh, about equities. Now, you can see that these two lines are, are continuing to spread over time. And, and I think there are some real key events uh, where, where this spread widens. The next real key event 
uh, is, is in early 2018. So this is when uh, the China trade war uh, began. This is around February, March of 2018. And concern about the trade war lasted throughout 2018. And I don't know if you remember, but at the end of 2018, actually, the market was down something like 20%. Well, during that period, you can see that really freaked out the group of non-Republicans. Look at this down here, right? But uh, uh, the group of Republicans remained relatively steady during, uh, during this period. We're not uh, as worried. So again, it seems like partisanship, it seems to be uh, um, infiltrating people's beliefs uh, about equities. Uh, at a time when a lot of people were quite concerned, there's this more partisan group, which is uh, which is a lot less concerned. Um, and then we come to the current crisis, where it looks like uh, political identity uh, matters a lot uh, for relative bullishness. So the third sort of big spreading event uh, between uh, these two lines um, is is the current crisis that we're we're in uh, now. Uh, again, if if you look at uh, the behavior of the red line and the black line. Uh, if, you know, if anything, uh, Republicans become a little bit more bullish uh, during this, uh, this period. Uh, but you can see, uh, others, uh, become uh, a lot less bullish, uh, during, uh, during this period. And Joey, uh, could you help us understand the kind of the magnitude here? So I can see these two lines are separating, but how should we interpret the size of this separation? Sure. No, good. Very, very good question. So you can interpret in terms of economic interpretation, uh, that is uh, assisted uh, by this y-axis here on the left. Um, so uh, you want to think about the spread between uh, these these two numbers. So uh, on average, on, on StockTwits, um, about 80% of posts are bullish. So people people tend to be bullish uh, that, that participate in StockTwits. Uh, the spread here between a, around a plus two and let's say a minus 15, this is about a 17 uh, percentage point spread in bullishness, right? So this would be like saying uh, by the end of the sample, Republicans uh, might be 82 percent um, uh, bullish in their posts and everyone else is 65% bullish. Okay. So that, that's really how to interpret, uh, the spread between the two lines. It's, it's relative bullishness. Uh, and you can think about it compared, if it's helpful, compared to a, a mean bullishness of about 80%, uh, in, in stock twits. All right. Just to, I, uh, I, I'm actually short on time. Uh, so I'll go through these next two, uh, Two figures quickly, because I do want to leave some time uh, for questions. So the next figure runs that same regression, uh, but now, uh, uh, now we're doing it at, at the weekly level. The last, uh, the last graph was at the monthly level. At the weekly level, again, you see this uh, great uh, splitting uh, in terms of partisanship uh, in the midst of the coronavirus uh, crisis. This is around, for reference point, this is around the first, second week uh, of March when the market was plummeting and a lot of lockdowns were starting. So it's at that point that everyone else becomes quite nervous uh, relative to Republicans who, who remain uh, quite bullish. 
Um, again, zeroing in, this is now at the daily level um, from, uh, from January uh, 2020 through the end of our sample, which is through the end uh, of April 2020. And like I said, you can really start seeing this separation. See it right here? You can really start seeing this separation uh, in, in the first and second week uh, of March, right? Uh, with maybe peak separation somewhere uh, around here. Uh, so again, this is a period in which Republicans, if anything, uh, become a little bit more bullish, but certainly everyone else becomes uh, quite a bit less bullish. Uh, again, I, I just want to emphasize this is really early, uh, early work that I thought it'd be fun to share via the webinar. We've just started looking at partisan effects on certain stock characteristics during the crisis. So you can think about this as sort of the average effect on all stocks. Uh, we've started looking, well, is the sort of relative bullishness, uh, do we see it uh, take place uh, more in some stocks relative uh, to others? Um, uh, for what it's worth, we, we have some early evidence that suggests Republicans are relatively not more bullish, but bearish on Chinese stocks. Uh, so you can, you can generate similar plots with, with, uh, with stocks like, uh, Baidu and Alibaba. Um, these are so-called ADRs. So they're, they're, they're trading uh, in the U.S., but they're, uh, they're, uh, Chinese stocks and, and Republicans actually become more bearish on, on Chinese stocks during the COVID-19 crisis. We're also looking at healthcare sort of vaccine related stocks. Uh, to see maybe if if one reason why Republicans are becoming uh, more bullish is they have more faith in a, in a health-based solution for the coronavirus crisis relative uh, to everyone else. But again, this is very early work. I mean, you can see the data are just coming in, uh, just uh, coming in through the end, uh, end of April. Uh, in, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll have data in uh, through the end of March, uh, sorry, through the end of May, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, as well. All right. I am out of time. Uh, I want to leave five minutes for, for question. Just big picture takeaways. The, the levels of polarization along party lines are really at an all-time high in our society by a variety of measures. Um, uh, politics seems to be entering our lives in surprising places like the Thanksgiving dinner table and the stock market. Uh, again, the place that we're thinking about right now uh, is the is the stock market and beliefs about stock returns having this partisan influence. And we're seeing a particular partisan influence around this current uh, coronavirus crisis. And I'll, I'll stop there and see if, uh, see if there are any questions. And Joe, yeah, there are lots of questions. Thanks very much for that. Um, so the first question is from uh, Ross Valkanov. He's also a finance professor here. And he says, um, do we know who the participants are on this platform? Are they day traders, mutual fund managers? And how do we know whether the tweets translate into actual trades? Yes. No, that, that's, that, that, that's a great question. Uh, so... We have self-identified uh, identities for uh, a good chunk of our sample. So people identify themselves as either novice, intermediate, or professional. There are plenty of, of professionals uh, that participate. Um, I, I believe Todd, who we met earlier on that slide, uh, was, a, was a professional. Uh, we've also just started uh, for another project that uses the StockTwits data, gathering uh, information on exactly what, what Ross is talking about, which is, which is trades. So a lot of the, the tweets that happen in this platform uh, are people saying, you know, just bought 100 shares of SPY, which is the S&P 500 ETF. Well, we're working on 
um, creating an engine which can read those tweets and understand what they mean uh, so that we can do exactly what Ross suggests, which is uh, sort of matching the, the language to the actual behavior uh, via trading. So that is something we're working on. But just to, to answer uh, Ross's question, yeah, there are plenty of professional investors uh, on this uh, on this platform. Uh, and we are just now looking in uh, into trading. For what it's worth, a couple of papers have found strong correlations between behavior in this environment, specifically in stock twits, uh, and actual trading volume. Uh, so uh, concerns about it, of it being sort of just entertainment or noise, we're, we're measuring something real here because, uh, again, other, other papers have found strong correlations between what we're finding here and actual trading. Um, and then there's another question from Kanishka Mizra, a professor here at Rady, uh, where he says, um, are Republicans or the, the, the other group better in terms of predicting the market? Yeah, no, that, 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 that's a great question. And, uh, and I don't mean to punt on this one as well, but when we, when, uh, we, uh, when we, we sort of fully code up that engine, which is going to match these, uh, these messages to trading behavior, that's one of the first things that we're going to look at. So I don't have an answer for that. It's because unlike, uh, unlike the bullishness or bearishness setting, which is very straightforward, the actual trade that, that people executed when they type in something free form is a lot harder to quantify. And it's something we're working on, but we should have an answer for that. And here I have a question from Ashish Gupta. He says, can we project the same model into the future to predict sentiment or a likely recession due to COVID? Uh, no, that, I think it, it looks like given we find this correlation between so-called um, partisan events and, and a spreading of, of bullishness, I think we could probably project that into the future, right? So it's not like COVID-19 is a unique phenomenon, right? We saw the same sort of spreading event at the election, the same spreading uh, event at the beginning of the, of the China trade war. I think that's the thing we can probably project on into the future. Uh, perfect. Uh, I, I, we have lots of questions, so I'm not going to get to all of them. Um, for uh, uh, several people, want to know what the relative sizes of the Republican and the non-Republican groups are, and uh, yeah, so let's go with that one first. Sure. So we have about uh, 5,000 users that we're able to identify as Republicans, so much smaller. So I guess a fair way of saying it is those are 5,000 users that we're pretty sure are Republicans. Uh, the, the remaining you know, several hundred thousand users just don't talk about politics on StockTwit. So it could be some combination of, of Republicans, Democrats and independents. But those are just it's just a group that either doesn't use this Republican language or doesn't like other posts with this Republican language. So the everyone else group has plenty of Republicans in it. They just don't uh, use StockTwits as a forum uh, to sound Republican. Um, Professor Jin Liu asks why the patterns in the daily plot, the monthly plot and the weekly uh, plot seem a bit different. And he, he, he seems to, he says that it seems that there's more divergence in the monthly plot. And what, why is that? Yeah, it's because those are actually different, different regressions and those different regressions set a different baseline. So you can think about the fixed effects 
as a difference from an overall uh, intercept in the regression. And that overall intercept is different at the monthly level, the weekly level, and uh, the daily level. Those are just three different time periods. Uh, so, you know, the daily level is from June, uh, sorry, J January 2020 through April 2020. The monthly level goes all the way back uh, into 2015. So they're, they're actually very different re regressions. Perfect. Um, then I have a question from Michelle Temple Wong. Uh, could any similar analysis be done to assess the environment for investing in new startups and for IPOs? So uh, in terms of sim uh, similar analysis, could we see if there is more Republican liking for new IPOs relative to non-Republican uh, bullishness for, for new IPOs? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it could absolutely be done. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the prediction uh, would be. Here, uh, myself and colleagues thought uh, this, this, is, this is the very likely uh, prediction that the Republicans would stay sort of more bullish relative to the other group uh, during the, this, uh, this most recent crisis. For a new company, I, I'm not sure what exactly the, the prediction is for partisanship and belief in, in, a, in a new IPO, but the analysis could absolutely be done. Um, uh, Professor Shin asks, are people with more followers less polarized? Oh, that's a good question. Have not, uh, absolutely have not looked at it. So we could add that, and that would be quite easy to do. Just take our, our group of, you know, 5,000 ish users that we identify as Republican and everyone else and calculate, uh, the, the average number of followers. I don't know the answer to that. Um, and finally, um, Gary Reichardt asks, is, does this suggest that there is an arbitrage? Um, meaning that there are going to be very large corrections. So I, I, I think in order in, in, in order to talk about arbitrage, I think you have to document something that that looks like mispricing. We haven't done that yet. We're, we're sort of focusing just on investor uh, beliefs. I do think though, uh, divergence, strong divergence of investor beliefs, while not necessarily predicting mispricing, would potentially predict a lot of trading. Uh, imagine there are two groups. One feels, you know, very optimistic about how things are going to go. One feels very pessimistic and they're hardened in their beliefs, uh, in the way that these, you know, at least, uh, uh some, some of these participants, uh, seen, they're going to trade a lot with each other, those, uh, those two groups. So that to me is a natural prediction of what we're finding. Um, the, the mispricing slash, you know, is there an arbitrage uh, prediction isn't as, uh, as clear and we haven't looked at it. Okay. Well, I think, um, we have to wrap up now. We, we, we got to, uh, essentially all of the questions because lots of people ask the same things. Um, so thank you very much. That was super interesting. Um, and, and thank you everyone for joining. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.